Hey, it's Nick Walters again with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest, the podcast brought to you by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And we are uh, slap tickled to death to have our uh, uh, most repeated guest on the podcast. Whether whether you wanted that title or not, uh, Chase Hubbard, you have it. Okay, uh, on on um, uh, being a part and getting out your crystal ball and talking about markets and supply and all the good things that uh, you do for uh, fast markets at the Jacobson as well. And so, Chase Hubbard, thanks for joining us again. You bet, Nick. I'm not sure that's what the view, the, the listeners wanted either, but uh, but uh, I'll certainly do our best to share share my perspectives on more. Well, and your and your perspective matters, right? And so your your role as the senior editor, I think, is your title, right? That, that focuses on organic and and um, industrial help uh, uh, at Fast Markets at Jacobson. Tell us a little bit about the organization for those that might not be aware. Sure. So the Jacobson started in the hemp space in 2019. Uh, it was a smaller company. It had been around for, for over 150 years, started in tallow markets in Chicago and uh, expanded into markets, including uh, biodiesel and renewable diesel, which is uh, which is our sort of flagship and leading um, uh, vertical for the Jacobson. Uh, we host an annual conference, and that was what attracted Fast Markets, a much larger, larger organization, to acquire the Jacobson as our work and buy fuels and of course that has just exploded with uh, recent policy but uh, um, but also um, you know renewable fuel standards out of California and now federal so um, that's it but the company also has a real emphasis on renewables and sustainability so uh, hemp fits within that well as well as organic and non-gmo um, and so what we are is a price reporting agency we report pricing on um, uh, in the hemp space now on a weekly basis. Um, and, uh, you know, we started early on reporting in both industrial crops and cannabinoids. Cannabinoids were the leading, um, you know, market as, as the, um, as the industry started off. Um, but, uh, since the very beginning, we saw industrial uh, crops, uh, fiber in particular as, um, you know, having so many uh, universal applications that, uh, that it was a market that we really wanted to cover. Excellent. That's that's cool to do. So let's talk a little bit about just kind of um, any insights that you want to be able to lay on us and kind of what you're seeing as we're getting into this last uh, quarter of 2022 as crops are coming in. Right. And before we kind of start getting ready to think about what we might be doing for next year, um, I'd love to get hear your uh, uh, two cents on kind of where we're headed. Sure. Well, in terms of acreage for 2022, um, you know, we saw a reduction in acreage for cannabinoids and hemp seed grain. Um, you know, those uh, uh, hemp seed grain, that was a reflection of commodity pricing. The, the prices for um, for crops, uh, oilseed crops, soybeans, canola, wheat, all of these things that are that are commonly grown in the hemp seed belt, Northern Plains, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota. Um, you know, there's just so much competition for those crops and reliable markets and pricing that that uh, it was a real challenge for growers to contract U.S. hemp seed this year. Um, you know, certainly some some was grown and South Dakota has really turned out to be a, a leading producer. Uh, Montana has sort of held steady. Um, there may be some issue with dual crops and reporting, and so there is reporting issues still. But um, from an acreage standpoint, um, the acreage, uh, especially licensed acreage, has never been a good reflection of, of actual supply and demand and market, mm. um, and, and um, you know what the market's doing. It it, it has had um, 
you know, sort of uh, broadly illustrated what's going on, but uh, it's not an accurate reflection. It's a much more complex picture of, of how these markets are moving. Um, so in terms of the actual production numbers this year, you know, fiber uh, f- uh, per FSA, has, those acres have doubled uh, from, from memory up to you know, 8,000 acres this year. And uh, much of that is really people still experimenting on a broad scale all around. Certainly there's production that's picked up. You know, we, uh, we're out there together this summer, Montana, and and uh, was at um, uh, another farm in, in Kansas. So, you know, these farms are really starting in production, mm-hmm. but um, you know, uh, the caveat is, is that production is really still in an R&D phase. It's still supplying R&D functions. And, you know, the, the markets that do exist, like animal bedding, um, are strong markets, but it'll take time for for that volume to, to build up. So um, just from a, a general status, you know, I think that things are moving just exactly as you might expect, if not. Um, more accelerated than you might see with other crops. And that's because of one, the, the sort of broad marketing appeal of anything related to cannabis, um, anything related to sustainability and decarbonization, all these trends are, are, are going to, um, you know, help to drive hemp production, but, um, you know, really the demand sectors are key. People need to have products that are making money that need to be supply with raw materials. And, um, you know, we see these, those things starting and we see the conditions for those things to, to accelerate. So I think we're headed in the right direction, but this is a long-term process. Sure. You know, what's something kind of interesting, and I haven't done the study on this, even though I'm a absolute certified history nerd, um, it's, I'd be interested to know just comparatively to like somebody who 80 years ago or whatever years ago said, you know what, we ought to plant something called a soybean and let's just see what that looks like. And boy, how did this soybeans got a lot of uses for it on the back end. And, you know, how long it kind of took for, for uh, that to really get integrated into the, you know, into the mindset of the growers and the farmers, as well as the marketplace at the same time. Um, I think it'd be an interesting comparison and maybe there's information out there. I've not seen it, but, but just, you know, not things that were native here, right? We're not talking about tobacco and corn and stuff like that. That was obviously already here. That that you know, native people had knew what to do with before before um, European white folks showed up. I'm just talking about you know new things that we would have brought over like that. Absolutely, soybean was a newly uh, introduced crop, and it took decades is the answer. It took yeah. decades, but this was pre-internet, you know, technology moved at a slower pace, but they had a series of problems to solve. One, um, you know, adapting soybeans to, to growing areas and conditions. You know, that was a very long-term process that yeah. eventually evolved into, um, you know, transgenic soybeans. And, you know, soybeans range has expanded considerably over time. But then this entire complex, soy complex, that, you know, includes soybean oil and soy proteins and all the different industries that rely on soybean means now. And, uh, you know, that stuff just builds and industry organizations like the, you know, uh, soy commodity groups, you know, they built that funded research, but the answer is it's a very long-term process. I think that hemp uh, products will move at a much faster rate because of the reasons I mentioned, but yeah, decades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that the reality of that for the shyster types who kind of came in at the beginning of this industry, particularly around the CBD spot, that was, I'd kind of call it a 40 acres and a mule mindset, hot diggity dog, we're all going to get rich. Come on, let's get in it and all that. I think obviously we passed that. And and but <clears throat> really understanding for those who who 
um, can can look at this long term, understand that this is not going to happen in the next 15 minutes. Don't put all your in life savings in trying to, you know, do a uh, go grow a bunch of hemp because you think it's all, you know, there's somebody ready to buy it in the next 15 minutes. I mean, we take very good care while we're in the co-op to make sure to people to say to people who are newbie farmers or underserved or others that are kind of getting their toe in the water. Let's be a very reality here. Okay. It's going to be a while, but it could be before we even have a market for your, for your hemp to go to. But in the meantime, you can figure this out by yourself or you can come hang out with us as we're all trying to figure it out. And I, and we hope that that's the right approach. And, and we think it is because it's a reality piece. You think? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think the co-op structure is, is really a great fit for this, especially simply because of the sort of complexity involved and and also, um, you know, the market potential for a co-op, um, you know, the, the the market, the ability to um, share space and overhead and, and things like that are, you know, a proven model. So absolutely. And I think that most uh you know, people say that the the CBD boom scared away farmers. I think the farmers that are relevant to the the, the crops that we're thinking about and the scale we're thinking about, I don't think that's really relevant to them. I know that for some of those, it was a blip and they heard about the CBD thing. But, um, I, you know, I just don't think that that's going to be any real barrier, that the no. real barrier is just a market infrastructure, the ability to take a crop and move it, what the logistics, the shipping, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's, very, you know, it's pretty basic. It's producing material, move the material, store the material. And once those things are in place for a farmer, that's, you know, that's just a day at work. Yeah. yeah. As, as somebody told me the other day, you know, most farmers they know would plant peppermint sticks if you showed them it's going to make them. <laughs> yeah. If the seed's available <laughs> and the technology and all that kind of stuff, absolutely. You yeah. can show me what it is and, you know, that's terrific. And let's let's go to the next. So don't, you know, don't don't be um, upset because somebody might not be the, um, uh, you know, the. um most excited about the the environmental impacts or you know whatever else it may be if the, the thing that motivates them is being able to make the money then we got to have them you know let's let's yeah. keep that real and i think so, aside from that too that many are are eager to you know savvy farmers are eager for a crop rotation alternative you know right. something that to 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 add into their crops they see long term soil building and they you know they've heard that hemp has this ability with its fine root structure to really improve soil structure and in organic matter so you know for for savvy farmers i think that that you know there's other things that are attractive too no no doubt it's kind of like um i was reminded of what Scarlett O'Hara's father said in, in Gone with the Wind, right? He said, Katie Scarlett, land, it's the only thing that matters, right? And so if you, you know, you, it is the greatest asset and, and, and uh, keeping care of it um, is certainly on every farmer and landowner's mind because yeah. they understand that that's just from a practical spot, right? Um, that that's important for us to do. So anyhow, um, tell me more about just kind of what um, uh, your crystal ball for the future uh, is looking like. I mean, what are you thinking? Obviously with more acreage, more acreage being planted in industrial hemp is a, a trend that is a positive thing. Um, uh, what are you seeing maybe for 2023? 
Well, first off, in the crystal ball, I'd say, you know, yesterday's announcement by Biden about, yeah. um, you know, move on on cannabis policy is that's just that could be um, a really substantial, um, you know, shift for everything in the hemp industry. Um, you know, fundamentally, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, banking, for instance, which has been mm-hmm. you know, created such headwinds for producers of, of any kind of hemp thing or even nonprofits and organizations, you know, trying to get banked. And, you know, there's lots of great alternatives out there and companies like West Town that, that have stepped in and, and credit unions. But uh, but still, I don't think you can underestimate how much that has limited investment and sort of prevented the normalization of the industry. It'll, I think, you know, completely shift the conversation around things like Delta eight and mm-hmm. novel cannabinoids. And, um, you know, that's just been sort of festering conflict in the industry, um, for the past couple of years. Um, but you know, it's a product that, uh, generates a lot of revenues and it's something that needs, you know, uh, you know, some smart regulation and, and, uh, it needs to be handled right now. It's just legislature's trying to play catch up and, and sort of figure out what's going on. Um, but if at the federal level, we see a major shift, you know, that, that could change the entire conversation around hemp drive cannabinoids. So, um, that, that's a big deal with, you know, not really sure what that means, but again, if it normalizes, uh, the industry, then that's gonna, um, that's gonna really, uh, help to encourage investment and, and growth, I think in the industry. Um, uh, the, you know, the other thing is, is government policy for industrial hemp, um, on the hemp seed side policy around uh, animal feeds is really, I think, a major limiter um, for these industries that, that the hemp seed complex can only be so profitable when, when uh, you know, the, the, the byproduct of, of crushing seed for oil is, is um, you know, set to languish on the back lot or just sold through gray markets, um, which I think that they've, you know, in as oil seeds have, uh, you know, pricing has increased, I think that those crushers have been able to recover some more on that, on that valuable resource, but, uh, but still uh, an inability to um, aggregate that product and sell it through normal channels is definitely limited, you know, producers profitability there. So um, any kind of policy um, like we've seen, and I use ethanol as, as, as my example, that, you know, people were not lining up at gas tanks saying they wanted to put corn-based ethanol in there, but government policy made that happen. And it, created, uh, you know, an enormous market, an enormous market and changed farm country and created an enormous amount of infrastructure. So, you know, uh, we see the same thing, the same potential for for industrial hemp. And we're already seeing Department of Energy, you know, get involved in, in the construction materials. And, and um, you know, there's just an entire constellation of potential. And I think it's the the, the interesting thing is, is that you know, it's a it's a, a a government process, but really, there's a lot of individuals throughout federal government, state government, researchers that are truly excited about this yeah. new um, potential for research. It's their, uh, you know, it's their. Uh, um, opportunity to do novel research. And so just from a human perspective, that's really going to help drive things along. I think it's helped at USDA with the hemp program, um, but all of these policy issues, you know, um, really have the potential to, to shift the industry and, and grow markets quickly. And I think that Biden's move yesterday just shows the volatility and some of the risk too. Um, you know, that, that they can do that overnight. Obviously that, that accentuates the upside and, 
and uh, profit potential in these markets. Uh, you know, the the major ETFs, MSOS and MJ uh, cannabis ETFs. Um, one was up twenty percent yesterday. The other one was up thirty percent. Wow! <laughs> over a two hour period, and those you know were trading under. $10, but still, uh, you know, it was still, a, um, you know, a major move. So, so that kind of stuff, I think with anything related to cannabis is still, um, you know, subject to major uh, policy shifts. The other thing I think, um, you know, for, um, early adopters, the early movers in, in the hemp space, industrial hemp, have really had to bear the brunt of significant risk. That's certainly the case in cannabinoids, but also in hemp fiber, we visited these facilities and they've got, you know, considerable investments there, um, you know, without the actual markets there currently. So they're really looking to the future. And so, um, you know, that uh, it, it really is a unique position that these people are in, not because they just have to handle production and processing, but they have to wear all kinds of hats and understanding industries like construction and stuff to help advise their customers, clients or whatever. And right. certainly for you too, for you guys, you're in that position as well. So. Yeah, where it's a mouthful, but those are some of my thoughts. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's it 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 helps to reinforce why it is that we're in this game in the first place. Is is that we understand the long term opportunity here? I think everybody who who uh, sticks their toe in the water about hemp might have one perception about one thing, but once they understand what all the plant can do. It, it it really, you kind of have this hemp aha moment, right? I mean, of somebody like, I know when I first got into it, and you, I don't know if the same was for you, but when I first started checking it all out, I'm like, come on, dude, this stuff won't do all of that. <laughs> you know, there's no way this plant will do that and this and that and this and that. And then, you know, a superfood and rebar. I mean, you know, it's, a, I mean, we're talking about bioplastics and renewable natural gas. Give me a break. I mean, you're smoking the sister plant. You're not really, what, huh? And then by golly dang, if it ain't true, right? And if it's not all there. And I think it just seems that the more people understand it and the more people go, I had no idea, you know, that hemp would do that, whatever, then it just ends up helping everybody. And it ends up going back to the idea that the marketplace is starting to demand those things. And when you throw in on top of that, things like carbon sequestration and soil remediation and those other pieces, you're starting to kind of get the pieces and parts put together um, uh, that that uh, enables us to really to really develop an industry. And, and I think what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, people are starting to pay attention to that more and more. And, and that helps our markets to be able to have a reason to want to participate. Is that a fair yeah, statement? Absolutely. And partly it's just the complexity. Like you said, there's all yeah. these uses and it covers so many different industries um, that it's really quite difficult to wrap your mind around and add to that issues like in Oregon where, you know, um, you know, the industrial hemp program was sold on one sort of concept and, and it, it sort of, you know, alluded to, um, you know, things other than, than intoxicating cannabinoids and, um, in Oregon, you know, where they, they saw, um, you know, even organized crime using the hemp program as subterfuge to produce mass quantities of marijuana, um, you know, where it hasn't, the cannabinoid thing really, I don't think, um, creates any barriers with farmers. Like we said, they're happy to go forward. It does create barriers politically. Yeah. Uh, you know, it has created perception issues and, and states and, and at the federal government. So that's why I think that this, um, 
um, you know, this Biden move, this executive move is, is, you know, could be really important for, for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of the reason too, just for us at the co-op that we don't do CBD and that we don't focus on anything with, um, uh, cannabis and, that's simplifies a, the conversation. Right. It's just not it's not a moral issue. It's not it's just why get into the all of that mess, you know, yeah. right now. I mean, there may be a time that our that our board wants to do that and they want to go into that space. And of course, we'll be ready to do what they want to do. But <clears throat> between now and then, it's renewable natural gas, building materials, bioplastics, you know, um, uh, seed and grain and those things that we know and, and keeping up with the agronomy and all that. So anyway, well, that's great, Chase. Any any kind of parting uh, uh, words to uh, help us watch out and look for and things that we may um, uh, want to be or sure on our radar screen? Well, just, the, you know, the major things that we see is cannabis policy is really going to, um, you know, impact cannabinoid markets. Um, but these are still massive markets. You know, CBD languishes on shelves, but Delta 8, you know, these uh, local dispensaries, I go to them every town I travel to, I visit and I ask them. And, and the you know, most of their sales are Delta 8. And, uh, and of course, that makes sense. Sure. Um, so, you know, the cannabis policy stuff is really going to influence those markets. Those are important markets to people. The hemp seed on the hemp seed side, um, you know, we're really working on foundational stuff. I'm on an animal feed committee with ASTM, and we're really just trying to, to figure out how do we quantify and standardize quantifying THC in hemp seed, which is crazy because uh, we we're now feeding hemp seed to our children. You know, it's grass or you know status, and and it's in the human food supply. But um, you know, we're getting pretty pedantic about it in in the animal feed side, and and I understand that part of that is these bureaucracies that are um, you know just self perpetuating and and are you know. And I think that there's an opportunity for policymakers to step in and say, wait a minute, this is an opportunity to um, create some exceptions, to do some, um, uh, you know, uh, um, provisional um, approvals for certain groups of animals or whatever. But right now that that's still still an issue and it, and it doesn't appear to be moving pretty quickly if we go through the actual channels of AFCO and FDA approvals. Um, you know, we're looking at years down the road for right. various species to use. So, and I've always said that states could, um, you know, uh, could preempt that. And Montana certainly did that to some extent. Um, but, you know, with the high price of oil seeds, you know, the access to a safe, um, you know, high protein, high fat oil seed for, for Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota producers is, you know, I, I think that state state governments still have the potential to do that. But, um, you know, obviously lots of politics there, at FDA, et cetera. Right. So um, and then on the fiber side, you know, I really think that. Um, uh, you know, funding for decarbonization, um, funding through the IRA, um, you know, funding through all these different areas. You know, we're really starting to see this, this tranche of funding just build and build and build. And um, that could I, I think that you see that in the. Uh, the doubling of fiber acres this year, yeah. of people really accelerating their trials and saying, OK, I need to pick up the pace here because, you know, there appears to be some demand on the horizon. Um, still going to take some time. Um, you know, it, it's, it's relative. But uh, in five years, I, I really think that, um, you know, um, industrial fiber production really could could pick up love significantly. It. Well, we love that idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, Chase, if folks want to be able to learn more about uh, the Jacobson and what all you guys are doing and to follow all of that, what's the best way for them to connect up and learn more? So we have a website, uh, thejacobson.com, but you're welcome to reach out to me, um, uh, charles.hubbard at fastmarkets.com. That's all just kind of how it sounds. Chase Hubbard, uh, sorry, chase.hubbard at fastmarkets.com. Feel free to reach out to me if you have questions. Uh, you know, we're sort of in a transition to, to fast markets in our website. I, I regret that's entirely dated. Um, but uh, other than that, if you have any, any pressing issues, please don't hesitate to reach out. Absolutely. And, and as always, we appreciate um you taking some time and being a part of, of what you're doing and, and uh, really what you're doing for the industry makes a whole lot of difference. And yeah, well, same. It's nice to be in the effort long term. No, that's right. Long, long time together. So that's exactly right. Exactly right. Hey, if you want to learn more about the National Hemp Growers Cooperative and about our commitment to building wealth for our members, through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development, go back and check out our website at nationalhempcoop, all one word, .us. It's also a spot where you can learn uh, more about our particular focus that we've been enjoying on our white paper for uh, hemp for energy, particularly for renewable natural gas. So if you'd like to get a copy of that executive summary, let us know. We'll be glad to send it your direction. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.